What's up, Fail Nation? Before we get started on this amazing interview today, I just wanted to take a minute and remind you guys that if you are in the process of starting a business, if you're ready to get going and you need to license your company, which you do, take a minute to go to freedomtofail.betterlegal.com and there you can license your company, form an LLC for just $99. Normally, it would be $299 on Better Legal. So this is an amazing deal for you, and I just want to make sure that you guys can take advantage of it. Again, that's freedomtofail.betterlegal.com to license and register your company for just $99 today. Now let's jump into the interview. I had had what was supposed to be pretty minor knee surgery. I had the similar one to what Tom Brady had like way back in the day. And the anesthesia didn't go well, and they couldn't get me awake for like three days. What is up, everyone? I'm Kyle, and I am the host and founder of the Freedom to Fail podcast and Fail Nation, a community where failing while pursuing our dreams is a positive and taking uncertain chances is celebrated. This podcast is for those who have a dream of starting a business or doing something they've always dreamed of, but have been held back by their fears. Our purpose is to share the unsuccessful stories of successful people so that you can learn how to take the first steps towards achieving your dreams. You deserve to live a life full of freedom and free of fear. Let's do this. Hey man, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you having me today. Good. So today we are lucky enough to be here with Jeremy Ryan Slate. And for those of you who don't know who he is, He actually is also a podcaster like myself, and he runs a podcast called the Create Your Own Life Podcast. And honestly, it's such a cool thing that you do with that. He's so good at it. He has, what is it, like 600 plus episodes that are out right now? 664 came out today as we're talking. Wow. Yeah. See, I was honored to just have you on our podcast today because you've done what I want to do. You've been where I want to go. And obviously, like we all know, to be able to do hard things and to achieve success, it's good to surround yourself by those who have gone where you want to go. So I really appreciate that. On top of that, he's written for Entrepreneur. He's been featured in Forbes and Inc. and a lot of other things. And he actually started a company called the Command Your Brand Business. So can you give us our listeners a little bit of background on that and what it is? Yeah. So at Command Your Brand Media, we are a PR firm for the podcast space. Uh, So since early 2015, we've been helping people figure out like exactly who they need to be in front of, how to deliver a message so that it's impactful for them, but also for the show that they're appearing on. And uh, also teach them a lot of content marketing. Because I find many times, whether it's a podcast feature or a media feature or something like that, people think that that appearance is kind of the end all be all. And really, it's what you do with it and how you market it and how you create more traffic for it that's really going to do a lot for you. So we help them you know, learn a lot in the content marketing world as well. So do you work mainly with guests who want to get their name out there or do you work with podcasters who want to get their podcast bigger? So some of our clients do have podcasts, but mainly um, they're business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, uh, work with a lot of doctors that are really looking to get out there and have a really powerful message to make an impact. Which is obviously understandable. I mean, podcasting has grown so much the past few years and it's going to keep growing up. So that is a huge way to get your message out in front of the world. So I think that's awesome what you're doing there. Thank you. Let's just jump in. I know that you're an entrepreneur now. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or is that always what your life plan consisted of? So it's funny because my, my wife and I have been together for 10 years at this point and we were literally talking the other night and I'm telling her this story about like me as a kid and she's like, how did I never know this? And I've known you for like ever. I actually had a newspaper route from the time I was 11 until 17. I started with one newspaper route with 80 customers 
ended up with four newspaper routes with 275 customers by the time that I ended up. You know, that was kind of, for me, my first real venture into, you know, not quite entrepreneurship, but kind of like, I guess, statutory worker territory. And from there, I just really ended up going to school for a degree in ancient history, taught school for a couple of years. And it wasn't for a long time after that until I really became an entrepreneur. Um, It was kind of like a, a dormant thing, I guess, from being younger in my life. You went to Oxford, right? I did, yeah. I studied um, at Seton Hall University um, with a double major in uh, Catholic theology and uh, Torah. And then I actually went to New College Oxford and did a program in literature, came back to Seton Hall and uh, got my master's in ancient history, which is not a very applicable skill uh, if you're looking to actually like make money and get a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why that's the case for sure. So after you you went to school, you did all that, you wanted to become a teacher. When did you change and when did you realize that teaching wasn't for you? So I kind of ended up in teaching, I guess, more or less because I just didn't go any further in my education career. So I, when I got my master's, um, the goal was to teach college level. Like that's what I wanted to do. I applied to one PhD program, which was NYU. I didn't get in. So obviously, I couldn't have wanted to do it that bad or I would have worked a little bit harder at it. And uh, here in New Jersey, you don't need a teaching certificate if you want to teach in private school. Public school, you do. So I ended up teaching at a, a Catholic school not too far from where I grew up. And I did it for two years. I wasn't super happy, but it was a job. You know, I made some money. Could have made more working at a Burger King drive through but it is what it is. When I was 24, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. Like it was a really difficult situation for my family. And interestingly enough, at 19, I had had a near-death experience myself where I had had what was supposed to be pretty minor knee surgery. I had the similar one to what Tom Brady had like way back in the day. And the anesthesia didn't go well and they couldn't get me awake for like three days. And eventually I just woke up, but nothing changed in my life. Like nothing changed. Nothing was different. I kept going on the same path. I was at 19. And then almost losing my mom at 24, that really hit me, man. And I I think it's because it wasn't me. Like, I feel like a lot of times, like that first experience, like it was me, you know, you feel like you're invincible, like nothing's really going to hurt you. Like, hey, I didn't die. You know, my wife and I always like to say when something's difficult, we look at each other and we go, but did you die? Um, In this case, I, I didn't die. And when that happened to my mom and like, we did not know for a period of 90 days if she was going to be with us anymore. And, you know, she still is, but she's, you know, seriously disabled at this point. She was able to go to my wedding and everything like that, which was very, very important to me. But it made me start to look for something. And the first opportunity was a network marketing opportunity, which I didn't know what that was. So I thought I was going to be like a gazillionaire by the end of the week. And I just went through a bunch of different things, selling life insurance, products on Amazon, taught myself web design and worked at a friend's agency for a while. And from there, I started the podcast and actually ended up starting the agency and everything else. That's really where it started. So with your podcast, where did that idea come from? Because when you started it, what year was it? So I guess there's a little bit more of the story to that. Because in the beginning of 2015, I started a show called Rock Your Life. And it was the worst thing that any human being created. It lasted for about 60 days. It didn't have a microphone. It was very life coachy. I didn't have any life experience. I had two interviews that kind of sounded like jail cell interrogations for the poor person on the other side of the microphone because I just didn't have a ton of experience. So that first show didn't last very long. And I quit about 60 days in. And later that year, I started Create Your Own Life. So that was November of 2015 when this show finally launched and was live. And that changed the game, man. It was the different approach. That really was it. Approaching as a professional, having better guests, having better promotion. Like it was so much different than what I had done previously. 
Yeah, that's cool. And you got in on the ground floor too, because 2015, people had heard of podcasts, but nobody really knew what podcasts were out there or anything like that. You were an early adopter for sure with that. So I'm sure that helped a lot in your growth process too. And I don't want to sound like too much of a nerd, but I guess even earlier, I was like a listener because I, like I said, I was a history major. So some of the first podcasts were people taking audiobooks and sticking them, uh, ones that were like in the public domain and sticking them on Apple podcasts or iTunes. So in like 2007, I had my college professor have me listening to like these ancient history podcasts and stuff like that. that were just books online. So I've been listening for a super long time. <laughs> it's so cool to see like where you've gone with that and just being able to see the success that you have. Because I think for me, what I'm most excited about with this podcast is all of the opportunity that's out there because I'm really passionate about the message that I deliver. Mm-hmm. And so I know that the content is going to be good. Because I wouldn't call myself a professional by by any means, but I definitely try to make sure that my podcast sounds good and that I'm putting out good quality content and good quality guests on it. But just knowing where podcasts can take you as far as like individually and even in business, like when I first started it or when I first thought about it, I didn't know if there was a way to make money. But the more that I'm in it, I've barely done anything and I've already been able to make a decent amount of side money. And that's for not even having much experience or anything. So the potential is there a lot. And, and I'll say to that as well, one of the biggest things people don't even realize is like the networking opportunities, which is absolutely incredible because mm-hmm. when you have a platform like a podcast, you can interview so many people that wouldn't give you the time of day otherwise. I'm a huge NFL and college football fan. I've talked to so many people that I admire in that space, but otherwise, like, why would they have a reason to talk to me? So it's really been an incredible networking tool and allowed me to talk to a lot of people as well. Are you a Jets fan? Thank God, no. Um, I do know some Jets fans. They do exist, but it's rough. I don't know how you like to lose like that. I'm actually a Packers fan, so we're going to the uh, wow. NFC okay. Championship next this coming weekend, man. So I'm, I'm I'm super stoked about that. That's awesome. I'm a Patriots fan, so. Oh, are you? So okay. So if you asked my wife, she knows that uh, Tom Brady is like my ultimate hero. Um, uh-huh. I watch every Patriots game, even though I'm a Packers fan. I listen to Patriots podcasts, so I'm really hoping Tom comes back this year. I really am too. I mean, with some wide receiver help, man, like he needs a tight end or a receiver. That's what I was going to say. To be fair, his offense was absolutely horrible this year, but it wasn't all on him at all. So well, and Edelman's got to keep himself out of jail, you know, so stop jumping on cars. <laughs> Goodness. That was ridiculous. We got some big games coming up. I'm excited for all that. Yeah. So let's jump back into the topic of fear and failure there. You mentioned that when you had a near death experience, it didn't really impact your life very much. But when your mother did, that it really made a big impact on you personally. Mm -hmm. What was it like going through that with your mom there? What were some of the feelings that you had when you didn't know if she was going to make it? That was really rough, man. Like it was a a, a three, four day period of time, like around that, like it was so tense and emotional. Like I don't remember a lot of that. I just remember, you know, being the one to call 911 because I had come home and found her and I just... It was weird because my dad was out golfing that morning. I had come home from the gym. I had found my mom and I just kind of went into this, okay, call 911, handle that. And I started packing a bag. Like, I don't know why I started packing a bag or I thought that was going to be necessary. So I'm like packing food, packing clothes. And, you know, once my dad had finally come home from the golf course, they had already taken my mom away. I'm just packing. And my dad's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, we're going to need stuff. We're going to need stuff. Like, I just went into this like total panic mode and it, you know, got a little 
scared and neurotic around it, honestly. And it's it was a difficult situation to deal with. But, you know, after we spent a lot of time at the hospital and you kind of realize like, hey, this is your your new normal for a while, you kind of figure out like how to cope and, and how to handle it. And you, you realize like who are the people that are supportive of you and stuff like that. Like the sad thing is a lot of our family backed away and, and my mom was kind of that person that had helped a lot of people and they backed away and there was only one or two family members that were really there to, to help her. So you, it also tells you a lot about who's willing to give back to you for everything you've given. So it was a very difficult situation. Um, I'm grateful that we still have her here. I know my daughter just turned 15 months old actually today. And oh, congrats. Uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, she's the first grandchild for my parents. And my mom comes over to our house twice a week and she's able to spend time with her, which is really, really great. And that almost didn't happen, you know? Yeah, I can't even imagine that. My mom and I are just, we're best friends. My mom is the best person in my life. So it was the same way for me. So you can kind of understand like that was like one of the closest people in my life to have that taken was was tough, you know? What were some of the lessons that you learned from that or like the things that you applied in your life after that case? Because I know you said, your near-death experience didn't really change sure. you, but what changed after that for you personally? Making things count, man, was like really the biggest thing that, that I learned because I, like I said, I was in a career, I was not happy. I came home every night miserable. You know, I had like, my stomach would be bothering me every night when I came home because I don't want to sound like the old guy in the room, but like, I'm going to be 33 and I went to school and like, there were like barely cell phones yet. So like every day, the goal of my students was to get me angry and try and put me on video on like Snapchat or something like that. Like this is in the <laughs> early days of Snapchat and or put me on YouTube or something like that. So it was just like, that was every single day. They try to see how far they could push you and if they could make you angry. And like, I'm going to do this for another 30, 40 years. Like that doesn't even sound possible. So when that happened with my mom, it really made me decide like, okay, so I'm going to work miserable every day. I'm, I, I'm in a relationship I'm actually very happy with. You know, I'm, my wife's incredible. But what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, what is the point of this if, if this is kind of all there is? So the first option, was it the correct one? No, like you could have showed me how to make money selling garbage on Etsy and I would have went for it. But at that point in time, it made me realize like things I do need to matter because we do have a finite amount of time on this planet. So, you know, make the best use of it. I don't know that there's any other huge lessons I've learned, but that one lesson has kind of guided me my whole life and everything I do. It's really made me make things count because you don't know how much time you have, man. You really don't. Yeah. I think if anybody is to only learn one lesson, that's it. Because yeah. there are so many different options or opportunities that go on in the world. And I, as an entrepreneur, get stuck in the shiny object syndrome of chasing every little thing. So being able to just really know where to spend your time because time is the only thing that money can't buy. Like It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. You literally can't buy more hours of the day. So you have to really prioritize and make sure that you're living a good life and you're doing what you want to do. And I've been there. I've definitely been in, in situations and in jobs where I just feel trapped sometimes. And I feel like, what am I doing? I'm wasting away all my prime years, so to speak. And I have nothing to show for it except anxiety and stress and frustration. So your podcast is called Create your own life. So how did you go about doing that personally? What were the steps that you took just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of insights in, as to the things that you talk about on your podcast? But like, what are some of the steps that our listeners can take to be able to get out of the rut and create their best life? Wow. I, I wish the answer was easy to that. I feel like it's a, like a Beatles song, man. It was a long and winding road because that first opportunity wasn't the right one. But here's the thing I'll say, right? 
I honestly, for somebody with no business background, network marketing wasn't the right opportunity for me, but it was the best boot camp you can ever have to learning how to have business experience when you have none. Because you have to do a lot of things you don't like, cold calling, meeting with people, selling stuff. So for me, that was really kind of the best thing to set me up in terms of experience. But I think the other thing is it's important to have the data in terms of reading a lot. Like I've read like the 10 actual was an incredible book. So good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. But here's the thing where a lot of people mess up. They think they need more information and more information and more information. I got to read another book and then I'll be there. I got to go to another seminar and then I'll be there. It's taking action, man. It's figuring out what is step one, what is step two, what is step three, what is step four. And you know what? If you screw up step five, that's fine. Step back to step four, go back to step one, whatever it may be. Take action, know where you're headed, but also know what the steps are to take you there. Because I find out so many times with so many entrepreneurs, like you said, they have shiny object syndrome. They know where they're headed, they're on their path, but then this takes them over to the left field and then this pulls them over this way and that pulls them over that way. Put your head down and stick to an opportunity, at least see it through enough, but have the understanding to understand you know, if what you're doing is hurting you at a certain point. Because that first opportunity, I felt like I had to continue to see it through, even though things were not going well and I was losing money and whatever, because I couldn't let other people be right and me to be wrong. So you have to understand when that point is to move on. But at the same time, you got to stick something through, man. It's such a delicate balance. I I wish I could give you a a better answer than that, but you got to be willing to know when it's too far. But at the same time, you've got to be able to stick it through. It's it's a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah, I agree. You touched on a, a few things that I just love. I totally agree 100% about the information thing. I call that infobesity just because yeah. you take in so much information, you basically become so fat with information that you don't move and you don't do anything. And so, oh, and you go to some of these seminars and it's like gross, man. They're like quoting Jim Rohn and doing this and doing that, but they haven't done anything. There's just there's 10 seminars all the time. It's like, what the hell? No, for sure. And so many entrepreneurs out there, I understand wanting to be prepared before you take the jump. Right. But there's literally nothing that you will learn from until you take the jump. Yeah. Until you have that practical experience, you're not going to get anywhere. So obviously you have to do a little bit of research and preparation to make sure you don't go into a bad opportunity. Right. But when you figured out that the opportunity is good, don't bog yourself down by trying to learn everything before you get started because that's never going to work. And by doing that, you allow other time where competitors can come into the market and take you out. Yep. And I'll say as well, like, yeah, it's scary, man. It could be really scary jumping into an opportunity and not knowing everything. But everything that I'm doing now, I didn't know how to do 10 years ago. I've learned it all from experience. So sometimes you just got to do it, man. That's what it's all about. And I was actually talking to someone earlier today about how I was having you on our show. And I was like, it's so cool because I'm hopefully going to be able to learn a lot from him because he's done it. 600 times. And she was like, well, yeah, but he had to start somewhere. He had to do number one and number two and number three. Don't listen to those episodes. They're bad. (laughs) But they're still part of the journey. Like part of the whole point of this podcast, Freedom to Fail, is knowing that failure and knowing that doing the things that aren't going to be your best work are actually necessary. You can't just skip over them. You have to go through the hard times. You have to hear the ugly podcast episodes that you record to be able to learn what needs to change in your recording, in your editing, in your questions that you ask the guests and all that stuff to be able to get to where you are. It's, and the people ask me all the time, like, how do you get to be a great interviewer? Do 600 of them? Like, it's just continuing to do it and do it and do it and just not be as bad as you were last time. I remember my wife listened to an episode one time, I think it was like somewhere in the 30s. And she goes, do you know how many times you acknowledge the guest with the word awesome in that interview? She's like, it's kind of hard to listen to. But 
you got to keep doing it, man, because eventually it becomes not this rote thing. Like interviewing, just the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it's, it's kind of that way with anything in life. I love that. So talking about your podcast and some of those early episodes that weren't your best work there, let's just talk about entrepreneurship in general now. Like what has been your biggest entrepreneurial mistake or failure that you've had up to this point? Okay, well, I can only talk so much about this because I had to, to sign a non-disclosure agreement around it. But the previous version of what we do now um, was called getfeature.com. And I went all in on this. And my business partner and I just didn't agree. And I lost a lot of money and a lot of time and got set back a couple of years. But here's the thing. Actually attempting that and doing that in the first place, it put me far forward to where I was because I had attempted something new and went to a new space and it set me up for everything I'm doing now. So that version of it, failed and it failed pretty badly and it cost me a lot of money and a lot of time and we spent over a year building back up from it but had I not taken that leap in the first place I'd never be doing what I was doing now so it was a very difficult situation we lost a business but we actually found the business we have now which is everything we could have ever wanted and it just it wouldn't have been that way before because I wasn't the one steering the ship at that point in time following up with that are there any things that looking back now at that whole process that you went through are there any red flags that you could see that it might not go the way that you wanted to in the end? Well, here's the thing I'll say, and, and I, it's sad because I knew it in the beginning. Every person you meet, you're not going to agree with. And that's fine. You know, we have our own ways of being, we have our own ways of doing things. But if you have your own code, right? Like you have your certain things you agree with, your certain things you think are morally right and morally wrong and your gray areas and whatever they may be. When you're looking at coming to an agreement with a business, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a friendship, whatever it, whatever it is, if any part of that agreement is compromising something you believe in, it's probably something you shouldn't be in. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing or an evil thing, whatever it is. But for you, you're compromising what you feel is your own integrity, then it's probably something you shouldn't be in. And that can be integrity as in like, hey, this person wants me to do marketing and I don't agree with doing marketing because I'm not good at it. And I don't feel like I can do it. Whatever it is that makes you compromise your own personal integrity of who you feel you are and who you feel you what you should be doing and what you believe and what's right and wrong, then that's a real indicator to you that you shouldn't be in that place. I love that. <laughs> I just think that's so good. Well, because I think people look at it and they're like, well, if I'm compromising my integrity, it means somebody's wrong or bad or whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. It's just you breaking your own agreed upon code with yourself. That's a great way to put it because I feel like a lot of times people only judge if it's good or bad, it based on if it's like illegal or right. morally bad or something like that. But no, it's, it all comes down to prioritizing what you are comfortable with and staying true to yourself because there's a lot of money to be made. For example, for me personally, I don't do drugs. I don't do any of that stuff, but like there's a lot of money to be made in the CBD business, in the marijuana industry and right now. it's technically legal. Yeah, exactly. There's a ton of it. But would I personally feel good about it? No. Do I care if other people do it? No, either because they have their own beliefs. And as long as they stay true to themselves, that is 100% okay. But it's where we try and marry our belief or something that we don't believe in just because it's a money-making opportunity or for whatever reason it is. That's where we get into the most trouble and that's where we start feeling the most uncomfortable and we can't find success. Right. And when I look at whenever I really struggled in my life, whether it was the products I was selling in network marketing or you know a business I got into or whatever it may be, it's when for me, I compromised what I felt was my own personal code. 
things that I truly believe in. It just goes along with just what you're saying. Whenever you put yourself in that situation, that's when you're really going to struggle. That's a golden nugget for sure. (laughs) I love that. That's a really good one. I appreciate that. I'm curious, obviously you've gone through a lot of hard times in your life, but you've also gone through a lot of success in your life. Mm -hmm. So what is the correlation or what is the relationship between failure and success for you? Like, What have you learned from your failures to be able to find your success in life? Well, I guess the best way to answer that, because like I've done a lot of things in my life that didn't, most of which didn't work out, but I wouldn't give any of those opportunities back, right? Like, because in that network marketing company, I learned so much. I learned how to meet with people. I learned how to sell. I learned how to do different things. When I sold life insurance, in order to successfully do it, you had to do 50 to 100 cold calls a day. You cannot be terrified of the phone and do that job. When I sold products on Amazon, I learned about branding. That's where I actually learned how to build websites. I learned all these different things. I learned more about podcasts. So when I look at each one of these things that didn't work out, I've learned so many things that I currently use, like even my education. You know, I spent a lot of money on a master's degree that I don't use, but I've learned research skills. I've learned about different historical figures that enrich my life. So those failures are opportunities to grow, man. That's where I really look at it. It's when you see them as failures and you dwell on them. You're just like, oh, I shouldn't have done that thing. Okay, well, it's over now, man. Like, what can you take away from that? What can you win? You're not going to be able to create a future by sticking your head in the past, right? Like, you got to be able to continually look at, okay, good. It's over. It's done with. Let's, let's create the next thing. That's really what it's all about. And that's hard to do. It's so hard to do. It's easier than said than done. I struggle with that on the daily just because Mm -hmm. I look at some of the things that I do and I'm like, man, that was the dumbest thing I could have done in that situation. And I find myself falling in the wayward way of thinking of just dwelling in that failure and reliving that and experiencing that pain over and over and over again. But that's all in my mind. If I just think about something else, I can't be thinking about that because our mind only can think about one thing at a time. So if I just tell myself I'm going to move forward and I'm going to grow from it, then I'm going to learn from that and it's not going to affect my life to the point of being debilitating like it has in the past in the moments where I haven't done a good job at saying, okay, that happened. That was the worst thing that could happen, but it's done and I can move forward. And that's the beauty of it. It's a skill as well, right? Like initially, is it harder to do that? Oh, absolutely, man. But the more you practice on like, well, where can I see the positive in this? The more and more and more and more you're going to see it, right? Like when you look for negatives, you're going to find them. Mm -hmm. When you try and find the positive and build off that, number one, you're going to feel better. But number two, your your outlook's going to change. Like do client problems happen? Absolutely. They happen not often, but they do happen. So I look at them to as an opportunity to go further for that person or whatever it may be. So try and see your problems as opportunities, man. That's the only way I can tell you to look at it. I think that's a very good point. If you look for problems, they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. But if you look for opportunities, they're also going to be there. So it's just a matter of where we focus our thoughts and our efforts. That is literally where we're going to put our lives. If we think the worst things are going to happen, most likely they are. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction that just whatever we think of and whatever we're working towards that's what's going to happen in our life. So it, we might as well be optimists about the future because it does no good being pessimists. Yeah. So moving forward now, I have a few questions I call like the lightning round sure. that I like to go over with all of my guests, just about a bunch of these topics and about some of the things that have helped you be successful. Because obviously I'm doing this show because I want to learn how to grow and improve as a person. Our listeners are listening either because they want to support me, which is really nice, hi mom, or because they actually want to get something as well and learn and move forward too. So 
I love talking to people like you who have had a lot of success because there's so many opportunities to learn. So jumping into that, my first question that I have for you is, what is one of the personal habits that you do in your life that helps contribute to your success? So I've been a competitive powerlifter for years, not as much in my last four years as I've kind of went, I've dropped from 192 pounds down to um, 165 at five foot seven. So I've tried to worry a little bit more about health. But for me, my fitness has been a habit that I've done every day, day in, day out without fail. And that's the biggest thing. Like if I'm feeling good physically, then I'm feeling good mentally, then I'm going to be in a lot better place to perform in my day. There's a reason that people that have the most success always talk about fitness because it's a hobby. It doesn't matter what your hobbies are, but at the same time, all of the benefits that come from it, like when you're working out, you're going to have more energy. Mm-hmm you're going to build your immune system up. So you're going to be less likely to get sick, which in turn makes it so that you can focus more, which in turn makes it so that you can work harder and get more things done and find more success there. So like, even if you don't like working out for working out, do it for yourself and do it as an investment in yourself so that you can see the success that you have. Because if you don't work out and if you don't take your health seriously, then you're only doing yourself a major disservice because By the time an opportunity comes around that you could take, you may not be in the state to be able to take it because you haven't taken care of yourself seriously. 100%. Next question is, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received in your life? It's from a book I read. The book's called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And so, like I said, I'm 33. So I feel like I'm somewhere in that millennial generation, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like one of the major problems with my generation is they think that You have to find something you're passionate about and then you can't do anything in life until you do, which I think is kind of crap. Cal says in that book to find something you're good at and you like it enough that you continue to become better and better and better and better at it. And when something becomes effortless and more enjoyable and you're really good at it, that's when passion follows. So don't think you have to have passion to do anything in your life. That's the best advice I've ever received. And that's very true because one of the most popular books out there right now is called Start With Why. Mm -hmm. And I love that book and I think it's a great book, but I think if you don't read it or if you don't focus on it in the right way, it can give the wrong message. Like you say, where I can't do anything until I find my passion. Honestly, that's kind of where I was for a little while before I found out about all this, because I was like, what am I doing with my life? Or you hear about kids taking gap years now, Mm -hmm. like after high school, finding themselves, figuring out what they want to do and doing all that stuff. I wish I had time to do that. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Like, it's awesome. Go make money, man. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. But let's be real. It's just a year of vacation. Like it's not like they're actually doing all that stuff. And on top of that, I just love what you said. Passion follows putting hard work into something. Yeah. If you work hard on something, inevitably you're going to take pride in what you're doing, which in turn creates passion, which in turn creates joy. And it creates just a much more happy work environment there. So I love that. I haven't read that book yet, but I've actually, that's the second time I've heard about it in the past two weeks. And so I'm going to have it on my list for sure. Yeah. Cal's an incredible dude and he doesn't do social media because he thinks it's too distracting. So you won't find him anywhere other than on his website. I mean, that's a good point because I get distracted by social media all the time. So it's true. Again, it's all about where you focus your energy and time and it can distract you or it can help you find success there. Next question that I've got is, For you personally in your life, whether it be in business or personally in relationships, whatever, what would you consider to be your biggest fear? Wow. I feel like if somebody forced me to eat sweets the rest of my life. Like I said, my fitness really matters to me and my wife makes fun of me, but like that would really be a problem for me if I could not take care of myself in the way that I wanted and handle my fitness the way I wanted. But I think at the same time, like my family also means a lot to me. 
So I think, you know, were I not able to have them around, I think that would be my biggest fear, honestly, because do you have any kids? I don't yet. Okay. So I don't know how to explain this, but when my child was born, like I've never loved anything in my life as much as I've loved her. So like, that's just not something I would ever want to have taken away from me. She's pretty awesome. Obviously, you love your wife, but I hear that from parents all the time. I can't about explain their kids. it, man. It just we had a home birth, so she was born right in right in our home, and my child was born. I just started crying. Like I've just never felt so much love instantly, just instantly. Like and I, I can't explain it. It just happens. <laughs> it just is what it is, man. Almost tearing up here talking about it. <laughs> That's so good because again, I'm sure even thinking about that and thinking about your kid and your wife and your family. I'm sure that helps you push forward in the face of hard times too. I've never worked as hard, hard as I have as, you know, since having a child. Like I've worked four times as hard as I did before. Yeah. And I think for me, that's where the start with why comes into play. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily finding what you love to do. It's more of the reason finding why you love to do it. Yeah. My family is the same thing. My family is my biggest why. I would do anything for them. I love them. It's crazy. They've done so much stuff for me, especially the past like year and a half. I got divorced a year ago. And so Mm -hmm. it's just, I went through so much stuff and they've been there so much for me that now I can't even imagine not being successful just because I know how much that they've done for me. I almost have like that. I don't even know how to, I can't describe it. I just know that I can't let them down. Like I just have to do, give everything I can into whatever I'm doing to be able to honor all the love and hard work that they've done for me in my life. So that's yeah. awesome. I, I will tell you at the same time, do it for you too, man. Mm-hmm. Like do it for you, make it matter for you because you're the one living this life. Yep. That's true. Okay. So kind of on the same idea, but now talking about failure, what would you say is your definition of failure? A scary thing that happens that you feel like you're going to die in that moment, but in the future, you look future, you're able to look back on it and say, Oh man, I survived that, but look what I've learned from it. Look how far I've come. It's a funny definition of failure, but that's, those are the exact thoughts and feelings I have around it. Cause man, like you look at the idea of failing and you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Look at that. You get into the future and you're like, wow, that was the thing that was scaring me. It's funny when it's right in front of the car, man, it, it scares the crap out of you. When it's in the rearview mirror, you're kind of laughing a little bit. And it goes along with what you said at the beginning. I love that question, but did you die? <laughs> That's what my wife and I always say is like early on in our business career, man, like we were like struggling to make bills and stuff like that. And like, you know, we'd somehow find the money and it would work out and we'd look at each other and kind of chuckle a little bit and say, but did you die? Um, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that kind of helps put things into perspective with what we consider failure too, because yeah. if we're still alive after it, it's fine. It means we have another opportunity to learn from it and change it and do better next time. You can lose your home. You can lose your car. Your credit score can drop, but you still got another day of living, which means there's still other ways you can make it happen. Yeah. So the last question that I have for the lightning round is what is your favorite book and why? The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Because coming as somebody that was new to like the sales world and whatever, I remember the first time I sat down with a person and they told me no. That was one of the ones I thought I was going to die moments. And you're, you're sitting there and you're just like, dear God, how could I ever do this? Then you realize in order to sell something, if you don't talk to 100 people, you're kind of in trouble. So it helped me to understand the orders of magnitude that I need to take in order to make anything go right. And that's kind of been, you know, one of the biggest things behind every single thing that I do now. It's a great book. I've read it a couple of times now because as humans, we think, oh, this is the minimum amount of work that I need to do to be able to reach my goal. <laughs> and that's kind of what we shoot for. And that's what he talks about in there. like. 
we want to reduce the amount of anxiety and we want to reduce the amount of resistance in between ourselves and the goal. So we try and plan for the minimum things. If everything goes perfect, this is what I need to do. But in reality, it's not true. You got to plan for 10 times what that is. Like that's the whole point of the 10X rule. Like whatever you think it's going to take, it actually takes 10 times that amount of work. It takes that 10 times that amount of phone calls or knocking on the door of different people, just whatever it is. It takes way much more work to find success than what you're going to plan for it. So just having that in mind is super important. I mean, I love Grant Cardone. I actually went to the Growth Con last year when it was in Miami. I, I think he's really cool. Oh, he's a cool dude. I got a chance to interview him back in 2016. Um, I was doing a, uh, a fundraiser. I'm actually like hanging from some scaffolding at the time. My wife was working the VIP line. And one of the guests was, was Grant and his wife. And I had been told no seven times by his assistant at that point in time. And she goes, get your butt over here. Grant Cardone's here. So she introduced me to Grant and he asked me what I do. And I'm like, I have a podcast. He goes, let's do it. I'm like, really? Super, super cool, dude. For me, obviously being a podcaster, I want to get the biggest names on the show and just like learn from the best quality people out there. How did you go about dealing with that rejection to be able to keep going? Because you said you reached out like seven different times. What were some of the things that helped you not give up in those situations? But then also, what were some of the things that you did to be able to find success and start getting bigger guests and getting higher quality people on the show? The initial launch was really important because like I got we got 10,000 listens in the first 30 days. And that was honestly by getting every single person I knew and, and didn't know to subscribe to the show because that's really the main thing that ranks you in any platform is subscribes. So I pushed for that. That was a big deal. But I also started with a really big list, meaning... I started with the 100 people I most admired that I wrote down. I reached out to every single one of those people. I find a lot of times when people are getting upset by rejection, it's because they're focusing on like five or six guests. Yeah. Like, oh, I haven't gotten those five or six guests. It's all over. So, you know, that list continues to grow, man. Like it's got probably 150 or 200 people on there now. And unless they tell me otherwise, I follow up every 30 to 60 days. So it's having a big enough list. So it's not scary. One person said no. The first person I reached out to was, was Seth Godin. He's like, hey, I wish you all the best, but but no, not right now. When you get to 400, let me know. So at 390, I sent him an email and he's episode 400. So like it's having a big enough list and continuing to follow up. My number one on my list that eventually will happen, I'm decided it'll happen because I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. And the reason I started playing drums is Dave Grohl. So eventually it will happen. I love that. That's really, really good advice because just thinking about me a little while ago, as a guy, we're always worried that the girl's going to reject us when we ask them out and stuff. But <laughs> there was one time when I got tickets to this football game and it started in like two hours. I don't even remember. It was something like a very short time frame. And in the past, I was worried about asking one girl out. But then because I had that time limit, I was like, okay, it's crunch time. I wouldn't recommend this, <laughs> but I literally, I spammed like... 40 girls. And I was like, Hey, I've got this ticket. You want to come with me? I got a lot of rejections, but I didn't care because I had asked so many people. And I had, again, it goes to your point of, I don't know if this is a good example. Oh, come on, man. Who, who wants to go to a Patriots game alone? You know what I mean? Yeah, there you it's, go. It's yeah. With somebody. So it just goes along with what you're saying. The fear of failure reduces drastically when you are taking massive efforts and yep. when you're really trying mm -hmm. to do so many things and reach out to a, a ton of different people, like you 100%, said. hundred percent, man. You got to, got to start bigger. Like when it's small, every single step is scary because you have a very minimal thing that you're dealing with. Yeah. It doesn't hurt as much when it's a big number. Make a note of that everyone and get to work. Just start putting in the time there. 
Jeremy, I just want to say real quick before we wrap up there, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here with us. It's been really awesome. I've learned a ton from you. And obviously our guests are going to learn a lot from you too. It's just, you're a genuinely good guy. I can tell that already. And I can tell that you work really hard and it's just been fun to talk to you and get to know you a little bit there. So I appreciate you being on here with us. Well, I really appreciate you having me, man. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I, I wish your Pats better luck next year, but, you know, we oh, are going to the NFC Championship game this weekend. <laughs> Go Packers for your sake, but next year, I hope the Patriots, I'll just say this. I hope next year the Patriots beat the Packers in the Super Bowl. That way we can Woo! both be there, but I can still win. Woo! So I'll take wow, that. Okay. And then real quick, just to wrap up, where can our guests connect with you and learn more about you and your podcast? Absolutely. Well, if they want to find anything about me over on the personal branding side, it's over at jeremyryanslate.com. Or if they want to check out anything we do on the company side, it's over at commandyourbrand.com. Thanks so much again. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. Thank okay. You. Really quick before checking out here, I just wanted to come on again and say thank you so much, Fail Nation, for making this show what it has become. It's honestly been one of my favorite things that I've done in my life, mainly because I get to connect with you guys. The last thing is, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and a review. That is what really helps spread the word. And I've got big plans for the year 2020 on this podcast. So I really want to get as many people listening as possible. I look forward to sharing our new podcast episode with you next week. And until then, keep failing your way towards achieving your dreams.